Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? Good. Have you driven anywhere today? Yes, I drove carpool this morning for school. Okay, so I have not actually been in my car yet today, but I have a feeling that it's like, I know as soon as we're done here, I'm going to have to go get in my car. And I just have a feeling that what we're talking about is going to be top of mind. And I'm going to notice all kinds of things I hate <laughs> about my car because today we are talking about cars. And I think this is so funny because for most moms, the car is just a big part of our lives. Like I know there's definitely probably listeners who are are able to walk a lot because they live in a more dense urban area, or maybe they're really into using their bicycles or whatever. I think that's all awesome. But for most of us, we spend a lot of time schlepping our kids around and ourselves around and school pickup and um, all that stuff, right? So, so our car is really important, but we have not done an episode specifically about our cars since 2017. And that was really more about family vehicles. And since it's Sunday, and this is a more than mom topic, we're really just going to kind of talk about, I don't know, our personal relationship with vehicles and our cars mm-hmm. and like what features we love and if, if we like to car shop and I don't, all those I, things. I noticed when I was like peeking at the outline you prepared that there was nary a mention of car seats or boosters. And I laughed. I didn't a put a singular like, one in there. Because also you and I are past. Actually, I have one kid still in just like the butt booster, but really like if she rides without it, it's fine. Um, but otherwise I am out of that and you've been out of it for a long time, but so many of our listeners are like, you know, it's such a, it's such a decision. Part of the decision tree is like where right. to put the different car seats forward, facing back, facing like graduate to a booster. So listeners, you will find none of that here today. This is all about us. No, this is all about us. And this is, and, and if you're in this phase right now, where like because I remember definitely those decisions about like, can I cram three car seats in the backseat of this car versus that car? Or like, what is the arrangement of car seats going to be? Which one should go in the way back? Like yes. all of those decisions 
um, looms so heavily on a mom's mind, but they're not fun. Like those aren't really fun decisions. They no. take away from the car you might really want to drive. Totally. So this is all, if, if you're still in that phase, this is just fantasy time for you. If you, mm. if you can't actually purchase a car without going through those mental gymnastics, um, you will be out of that phase eventually. And even if you're still in it, you, you can still be thinking about these things because I will say, you know, I think about what I would like in a car pretty often, but that doesn't always mean I'm in the position to purchase that car for multitude of reasons. Right. 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 Yeah. So the last time we talked about cars was 2017 and I was driving a brand new leased Jeep Cherokee. Um, it was the only lease I ever had, have ever had. Um, it was the only brand new car I've ever picked out just for myself. Almost every other car I've ever driven has been like a hand-me-down or, you know, someone in my family or a close friend had it and I bought it from them. Like it always was like the car that just got the job done. Yeah. And I was really just on this car high because I was pretty newly divorced. And one of the very first things I did was went out and leased myself a car and it had like the heated steering wheel and the automatic everything and the sunroof and I'm just going to look back at that phase of my life and call it like my newly divorced lady pre midlife crisis car. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of practical considerations too. in that I realized at the time I was working out of the home, two different jobs. And it was like, I literally do not have the ability for a car to not work. Um, mm -hmm. It really had to. So anyway, that was that, but the lease was up a year ago, last October. Um, so October of 2019. 19. Yep. Okay. And when that lease was up, I just couldn't bring myself to either buy it out or to lease something new. I just couldn't do it. Like it wasn't, even though I was super stoked about that car when I first got it, it wasn't valuable enough to me to continue shelling out money every month um, on that car. So I ended up returning it and then bought a 2005 Subaru. Um, it's so very different, right? It's a Forester. Yeah. It's like a little grocery getter. There's lots I love about it. But it's I old. Love, I've never heard that term a grocery getter. I love oh, that. Really? Okay. So no. it's like, yeah, it's a wagon. And there's lots of things I love about my wagon. Um, it was so practical for like getting my kayaks on top because it's not that tall and right? just lots of stuff. Um, oh, I love the windows. The window there, there's not a, there's nary a blind spot in this car. It is like all glass in the back, mm -hmm. which is a little unnerving. Sometimes it feels like I left something open. I was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, is the hatchback open? But it's not, it's just really easy to drive. So anyway. That car was never meant to be like a long-term thing. I bought it cash. I've been driving it for 18 months. It's done the job I got it to do, but it's showing it's where it really needs work, like pretty considerably expensive work for the value of the car. And I guess I'm just ready to start dreaming about something new now, even if I probably won't buy anything for a couple months, but maybe I will. Maybe the perfect thing will come along and I'm just ready to start thinking about what I want. So Sarah, what about you? Where are you at? And like, that yeah. car, like, I don't know, compared to 2017 and what you're driving and how you feel about it. Well, first of all, I have to comment on your, like, I love the way you put that into like the story of Megan. Cause it's so true that the things, not just cars, but even you could make that argument for like the purse or diaper bag you carry or the home you live in. Like there are things that are perfect for right now for a variety yes. of reasons that then you season out of, and then you start to fantasize about the next thing. And I don't know, I just feel like there was a lot in there that was not just about cars. So I enjoyed that. Oh. Also, my was... high school boyfriend drove a Subaru wagon. I mean, that car would have been, this was in the nineties, but his car was way older. So like an eighties Subaru wagon. So I have spent a lot of time in those and I loved it. And I, I know they last forever and they're great in snow, right? They are. I mean, it's, it's been a great little car. I have a long winding driveway 
that is is infrequently shoveled and I've made it through two winters and have never had a problem getting out of my driveway. Like I just gun it and fly over the snow and I, I, it's been fine. It's been great. Yeah. They handle really well. And I will also say there's some cool, it's like a cool factor because the 2005 was really a very boxy year. Um, it was not like, it wasn't boxy like the eighties, but it's still, it's still like a squarish car. And I really Mm -hmm. like that look. And I get weird cachet driving that car around. Like people will, because now the Forester looks completely different. The Forester Mm -hmm. really looks more like an SUV, like a, like a Mm -hmm. mini crossover SUV now. Um, but mine truly looks like a wagon. And I've been in multiple places where people are like, Hey, nice Subaru or Hey, nice Forester. And it's like, (laughs) it gives me a little bit of cool factor, even though it's got like rust on it. I mean, it's yeah. not a nice car. Um, Aren't but Subaru just, people yeah. known for kind of being really into Subarus? Or did I make yes. that up? No, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, Subaru people love Subarus. And if you're around like other Subaru people, and, and like I was in a group actually um, not too long ago where there was like three Subaru people there, which is weird because I haven't been in that many groups since, you know, COVID. So the fact that there was like, A, I was in a group at all, but B, they, there happened to be three Subaru people in it was unusual and, and fun. But yes, people it's are really, really it's like being a part of a club. and. A lot of cars are like that. Like the Jeeps are like that. Yes, I mean, definitely. there's just, yes, there's like a club mentality to it. Um, and I don't really feel like I'm truly in the club, but it's kind of fun to just be like an honorary member for now. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, in t- I am driving the same car that I was in 2017. So. Um, yeah. So I have a Toyota Sienna minivan. I'm actually on my second Toyota Sienna minivan. And the first one we traded in after not very long. And so this one I've had, it's six years old now. The first one we had got when I was pregnant with Violet. So 2012, and we just got a really good trade-in opportunity that kind of fell into our laps through the Toyota dealership. And it had a little, the the first one had some body damage that I was going to have to get fixed because, you know, you and I we do the scrapey scrapey in a parking lot or against a pole. <laughs> yes, you and I are yes. have the same affliction. So it had some. Yes. What do some we call it? Like poor, poor low stakes driving. Sh- yeah. Poor low stakes <laughs> driving. Exactly. Yes. Um, so anyway, that's not a relevant story, except that the first Toyota Sienna, we traded in sooner than we had planned to because we just got a really good deal that also helped because we didn't have to deal with um, repairing the body damage. So um, that one we had for about three years and this one we've had almost six years. So for nine years, I've driven essentially the same car, but three years into that, it was a slight upgrade. I mean, it was like slightly newer. I have often gotten cars from a dealer, but that are one or two years old, the kind that have been driven off the lot and then traded back in for some reason, or they were a lease. So I don't know that either one was brand new, but they were pretty new. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I will definitely talk a little bit later in the show about my poor low stakes driving. Um, but I don't think I've ever shared the story in the podcast. Maybe I told you, Sarah, when I returned my, um, when I returned my Jeep, I actually had some, I had somehow purchased like the extra insurance, which I never do. I always think it's a ripoff, but I think it was one of those things where like the, the dealership said that if I bought it, I would get like a thousand dollars off. So it basically was a wash. Like it didn't cost me anything. And I ended up having to use it because I had so much body damage on the car. And when I took it into the, um, to like the shop, the guy was so disappointed in me. That's the only way I can put it. He was walking around my car, like taking photos of the dented bumpers and all this. And he was like, tisk tisking me like, Oh, how did you do this? What happened here? I'm like, I don't know, man. I can't use a backup cal- uh, camera very well because when I, there's a backup camera, all I look at is the backup camera. 
I forget to look. I know outside of it. And then I run into things. I was like, I just do your job. Please fix it. I don't I know. know. Just I hate the judgment. I hate the judgment <laughs> yes. of car people. That's like a whole separate thing. And then my, my quick answer to that is the last time I had some body damage repaired because of an actual significant thing that I backed into. Um, they asked if they were like, Oh, do you want this fixed too? And it's like this paint scrape on the front lower right bumper. And I was like, Oh no, that one's fine. Like you can, you can leave that one. Just undent the back of my car from when I backed into something. Yeah. We're terrible. We're terrible, but it's okay. I've actually been much better in the Subaru probably, probably because it's not valuable and it's got body damage already. So it's like, I don't know. My mind is like, I don't, it's just, you know how it's like how are. you don't lose cheap sunglasses, but if you ever get right. expensive ones, you'll sit on them or, or lose them. Yep. Break them. Yes, exactly. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Sarah, so before we go forward, I want us to each give a quick rundown of the cars we've owned over the years. And I haven't had that many, you know, like I know there's a lot of families who trade their cars out like every two years and that would get a little tedious, but 
I have a relatively short number and so do you. Um, yeah. I did want to ask you a quick question before we jump in. I'll go first. But besides the Subaru and my very first car, which was a Volkswagen, every vehicle I've owned has been American made. And I think that is a very Michigan thing. I'm um, sure that is. Yeah. So I'm curious if there's anything like that in California. Like there are towns, cities around in Michigan that if you live in them and drive a foreign car, you are like snubbed. Yeah. People won't, you know, they won't like throw things at you on the street, but like people will, if people work for Ford or GM or whatever, they will give you a hard time about it, which I think is funny since a lot of the materials are made overseas anyway, but whatever. Um, right. Is that, yeah. is that I, your I experience in California? I think, I don't think that's a thing out here. And I can't speak culturally, obviously, to every pocket of California. I think out here, like, you know, you're, you, uh, there are, there are sort of gold stars for energy efficiency. So like yeah. hybrids and electric and even just like, like the anti-gas guzzler, I think when, when I lived in yeah. Arizona, the trucks are big and the SUVs are big and it's mm -hmm. like guzzle all the gas. And then there's a little bit of social pressure to not be like that. I think in parts of California, again, speaking broadly. Um, but I do kind of remember that in the Midwest, even in Chicago a little bit. Um, and I know that I know some families who just prefer to buy American made cars and that's like their thing, but I I'm sure that Michigan would be like just more extreme in that. Yeah. And I've been very curious, like I've been Honda curious. I know they're that their cars are, are known for being super, just like, you know, indestructible the last forever. Yeah. Um, Toyota has some, some cars like I'm really interested in. So it's always interesting to me because I just gravitate toward American made. And then I'm like, I don't really understand why I don't have anyone like working for any of these companies in my family right. or in the union. Like, why do I care? It's just one of those things. that's hard to kind of like, it's, it's just inbred, like it's yeah. ingrained in you. So well, okay, I'll go through my list. So my very first car was a Volkswagen Golf. It was a 1985 Volkswagen Golf, which means it was not as old as my current car is, which I think is interesting because it felt ancient. And it, oh my I'll talk about this later. It didn't run that well either. <laughs> um, then that car kept dying. And so when I was either, I think I was still pregnant and John and I um, bought a brand new Ford Ranger truck. That's the only other new vehicle I've ever owned. And it wasn't really mine, but like it was there for me to use. I think it was more his car than mine. Um, then later I got an old Ford station wagon. Can't remember the model on that. I probably could. I remember it was red. Um, it had been my mom's. It was given to me. Um, then I had a Saturn that was a 93 Saturn, I believe. And I got it in 2003. So again, only 10 years old, but I feel like I bought like the crappiest possible 10 year old cars. Um, <laughs> At, the, at that time of my life. And then I had a Dodge Caravan, a minivan, and that was really the bread and butter of my like early parenting days. Mm -hmm. And I loved that Dodge Caravan. I, mean, I, I, I still hear great kids things anymore. about yeah. the Dodge Caravan and the Plymouth. Or is that what there's another of those minivans that I always hear great things about? I, I think the care. I just always have heard great things about the Caravan, but probably they're all great. And I will also say when I went on that road trip for spring break, we had a caravan and this time both the doors opened. And I feel like when I had my old caravan, only the right hand door in the back. Opened. In uh, fact, there uh -huh. wasn't a door on the left at all. I remember that just the right style. hand. Yep. But like the buttons that open everything just, they were just magical. Um, then I had, a, then I had a Yukon and both the Yukon and the Dodge caravan were like hand-me-down cheap purchases from my in-laws. Uh, we drove the Yukon for years. That was actually great for when the kids were bigger. Um, what I didn't love about big SUVs 
when they were all like really little is like climbing into the back of a big SUV to buckle kids in is yeah. kind of torturous. But if most of them can go in the way back and buckle themselves for the most part, and then you only have to worry about the baby in, you know, the middle row, that's fine. And then I traded that in uh, for the Jeep. And now my Subaru. So that's not that many cars. And, no. you know, now I've been driving for like nearly 30 years, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't have that many either. Um, my my parents bought. So when I got my driver's license, um, airbags were a brand new thing. And the data on airbags was like pretty life changing. I don't know if you remember, but like, yeah, no, I do remember. Like, and so they started like, do to be this made, thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they started to be made standard in less and less expensive new cars right around the time that I started driving. So my parents decided to get a, it was a modest new car, but it was new because of the airbags. And I remember like almost kind of wishing it was the RAV4 was very funny looking. It was the very beginning of those mini SUVs or those crossover yes. SUVs. It was awkward and dorky looking. And Wasn't I was it kind such, of like Jeep, like Jeepish, but like, yes, a, like if you like shrunk a, like a down tracker a Jeep, sort of. Yes. Well, like if you shrunk yes, down okay. a Jeep and rounded all of the surfaces and made it look <laughs> yes. not cool. And I, yes. of course, I'm so I mean, I'm owning my privilege here. I was very like all I cared about was kind of fitting in. And first of all, it was a brand new car and I didn't like the kind of label of what what went along with that of like being spoiled or like and, and then also it was just ugly um but of course that was a great safe car to drive thank you mom and dad so that was a little toyota rav4 they later changed the body on the rav4 and they don't they look now like just like a mini suv but yeah. i still see like, the ones from the 90s around and because they're still driving because toyotas will go forever um and it had a cool like you opened the trunk like a door like instead of up and down it went sideways and it had kind of a roomy trunk for a little car. So, I mean, it was cute, but I had like my own teenage, like weird hangups about it. Yeah. Um, also in my teenage years, I drove a little Toyota pickup truck for a couple summers when I was home because my parents had sold that RAV and I learned to drive stick on this little Toyota. I forget what the, the, we're a Toyota family, if you can't tell, but it was a very old stick shift, the smallest pickups, like they're very petite. And I loved the feeling of driving a truck, but it was like, a Sarah sized truck. It wasn't overwhelmingly right. big. And I loved learning to drive stick really, really well. I had been taught a couple of other times, but it's like anything else you get taught and then you forget because you don't do it for a while. So those summers home in college, I really mastered stick shift driving in this little Toyota pickup, this little black pickup. Mm. Um, and then I didn't have a car in Illinois when I was at, at college at Northwestern until the very end. And then I had an Audi that looked beautiful and didn't run. And we'll get into that. <laughs> Let that story of a lemon. Um, and then I got another RAV4 because like the universe thinks that's funny when we moved to Arizona and I started having babies and they, again, the body type had been updated. It looked much more like, like a Honda CRV or like the little, like the smallest little crossover SUVs. And it was kind of like dark red. It was cute. And I had that until I got pregnant the third time. And then we went to the Toyota Sienna minivans. So I've had a lot of Toyotas and one German car. Okay. I love this. Um, I just wanted to mention that I learned to drive a stick the summer between my freshman and sophomore years of college. I went and lived with my brothers down in Tennessee in this log cabin in the middle of nowhere. And they had a roommate who was like never there. I think he had like basically moved in with his girlfriend or something and had left his car that was a stick. And I got to, I don't think I had my own car at the time or maybe, no, I didn't. I didn't have my own car. Cause I was just coming off my freshman year where we were not allowed to have cars on campus. So, um, I basically got to use this guy. His name was Doug. I got to use his car all summer and that's how I learned to drive a stick. And I don't remember anything about what kind of car it was, except that all of the, 
that fabric on the ceiling was falling mm-hmm. in. Yes. And it would like hit you in the head. And then I was like <laughs> pushing it back up with thumbtacks. So there were like thumbtacks all over the ceiling. And I also got rear-ended in that car three times. Oh, and wow. It, and what was weird is they were truly never my fault. Um, but being rear-ended, especially like really hard on a country road where you don't see it coming or you're trying to like slow down to get on an exit or something, it will really spook you. And there were years oh, I where- have a, I have yeah. an actual anxiety response to being rear-ended, which is why yeah. I'm a very anxious passenger seat driver. Um, oh, Okay. Because I always think, and Brian's really safe, but I'm, I'm the worst. I am that passenger seat driver that like, I'm just afraid someone's going to slam into us. And it is, you make that noise like, (gasps) like that noise. I mean, I try really hard not to, but yeah, I'm pretty, (laughs) I'm pretty bad. So I've gotten over it for the most part, but there were like probably a three or four year, there was like a three or four year period where I would tense up every time I came like a slowed down or stop. Mm -hmm. Or if I felt like someone was coming up on me too quickly, because it just gets in again, it's like ingrained in you. You're just waiting for the impact and it's very scary. So it um, is very scary. Yeah. So anyway, I took, I borrowed Doug's car and messed it all up and (laughs) gave it back to him at the end of the summer. Um, Don't think I ran into anything, but other people ran into me. So let's see. Uh, My next question, which you really nicely set us up for was, I don't even know how to put this. Like, did you ever feel plagued by car issues? Because again, with that like knee jerk muscle memory thing, I think it's really hard when you've been driving a car that breaks down a lot to get over it and to trust that a car can be there for you and not yeah. do that. Um, it feels like forever, even if it's just a brief time or like even one car. So I'm, I yeah. want you to tell your stories first, but I think we both have one of these. Yeah. And I have one car in particular, because as we've been over, I've driven mostly relatively new cars. Um, and a lot of times they kind of came with some kind of protection plan or like my family had AAA, like I was, I was car secure, you know, like, and I, I wasn't used to a ton of car trouble other than the occasional like flat tire that happened a few times as a teenager and other random things. But, um, after college, I drove this cute little Audi that was a adorable little car. And I drove a ton because I was dancing professionally in the city. I was waitressing in the city. And then I was teaching dance and performing and rehearsing almost always in the far Chicago suburbs. So all our Chicago listeners, like Aurora and Geneva and like West Chicago and like far West suburbs. And then sometimes some other, I mean, I went to Evanston a lot in Skokie and I don't know. So I was driving an hour, a lot of times, multiple times a week in and out of the city in traffic. And this Audi broke down. And I don't mean like a a little wiggly noise that you have to take in and get looked at. I mean, you're driving along and then you're not, I want to say like (laughs) six times in two years, like and there was no reason for it. And I never, I never really like understood the concept of a lemon. Like that seems like that's not a real thing. Like how could a car truly be a lemon? I don't think they ever found one thing that was responsible, but it was a very nice car. It was a relatively new car. It shouldn't have been doing that. And the the breakdown stories are comical. One time I was on, it was my first day teaching at a dance studio in the far suburbs. So I'd been hired, but I hadn't worked there yet. And um, I had to call my boss. We, this is early cell phone day. So I did have a cell phone. Um, and it was like 96 degrees and I was on the center divider of like I-80 or 88 or one of those westbound ones. And it was like 100 degrees outside and my car just, it wouldn't even limp along. I was just stuck there and I had to miss my first day of work. That was like super stressful because I felt really, I felt bad, like no showing my first day of work. Yeah. Another time it was a blizzard at night. So I had like middle of summer, middle of winter, the blizzard one, someone from the studio I was going to had to come get me at like a gas station in Wheaton or wherever I was like, 
it just that car was a joke. And then every time it happened, it would be in the shop or in the at the Audi dealer for like, I don't know, 10 days, two weeks, three weeks. It was like it was comical. So that was that story. And um, it just was a part of my life when I was the other thing about those years is I was learning to be an adult. It was the years when I was like 22, 23, 24. I was you know, it was my first time really being a grown up, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I was a pretty good grown up. Like I took care of things, I was responsible, but you're new to everything. So every right. time I wasn't calling home two thousand miles away, like no one was going to bail me out. So I just, I guess in that sense, it was good, good learning. But it, I mean, I probably could have bought a fifteen year old car of another kind mm-hmm. and That's not the, had it right exactly. Well, that's what I think. We're, what I was just remarking on when I was talking about how the age of the cars that I had that were the worst. Now that I think about it, they weren't that old. Like I've driven older cars that functioned better. And I think sometimes there's just a car that's just, just junk. It's yeah. just a lemon. And you don't know, cause you don't have the experience yet to know that that's not normal. No, totally. You're right. Okay. So for me, there was really one that I feel like was my doomed car. And then I had a couple pretty dramatic breakdowns in a different car. So the golf, my very first car which again, when it's your very first car, that's the lemon, you just don't have any, you have nothing to compare it to. So, um, the golf had been like, I don't, I feel like it had been my brother's car then my dad drove it for a while. And so it was kind of unofficially my car, but like, it didn't become officially my car until I went to college my sophomore year. Cause I needed to have a vehicle cause I was living off campus and I bought it from my dad for some really low amount of money, like 300 bucks or something like something silly. Um, mm-hmm. and I was driving to school, which was like an hour and a half away um, after coming home to pick it up and probably, and I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, this is my car. I'm such a grown up, blah, blah, blah. The check oil light starts going off and it doesn't just light up. It makes a sound. And I don't even want to make the sound directly into the mic because it just gives me (laughs) like flashbacks. It's so annoying, but I'm going to cover the mic and kind of make the noise. It's like, okay. Oh, yes. And it wouldn't I'm, stop. It just the entire drive. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like the, the sound that like when you leave your keys in the ignition and it's trying to tell you that you shouldn't, yes, there's like, old, old cars used to do that. Yes. Yeah. Now they go bing, bing, bing. Yeah. But back then it was like, very, okay. So it would make that sound. <laughs> and I, I didn't know what to do, but I, first of all, did not have a cell phone. This was not cell phone times, but I was not going to call home. Like I was a grown up. I was not going to call home and ask for advice was really cold as I recall. So it must've been, I almost wonder like if the really cold time was a different time. I just remember stopping at a truck stop. Oh, whoa. Oh wait. Nope. The oil light just went off the whole way home. The time I had to stop at a, at a gas station or a truck stop really late on a cold night was when the radiator broke and the car would overheat constantly. And by the way, I took it in. There was nothing actually really wrong with the car. It was like a sensor issue, um, on the oil the check oil thing. So I let that one go, but then my radiator really had a crack in it. And so I would have to stop and I had no money to repair this car. So I just let it go. Um, and I would have to stop and put radiator or, uh, you know, put antifreeze to keep to coolant. Right. And sometimes we just use water if I didn't have enough money. And also because the coolant was just leaking right out. So I was just stopping and putting like bottles of water in it just to keep it going and had to do that forever. Um, all the brake pads fell off one time. When John and I were early married, he and my brother were driving it down to Tennessee. I wasn't, I think I was maybe visiting my dad or something and wasn't with them, but all the brake pads fell off and they were like, gosh, it was just really grindy all the way there. And then my mother-in-law was like, I found all your brake pads in the driveway. 
Uh, the fender fell off and then John had to stick the fender in the back seat and drive around with it. And there was, we were living in Nashville at the time and there was like a doppelganger golf that was also always broken down on the side oh, of the road. Funny. So we would see it and it was like an omen. We'd be like, oh, there's our twin broken down on the side of the road again, <laughs> like same color and everything. And then it would turn out that we would break out down the next day. And it, I just got used to the fact that like, I might go to the grocery store and stop the car and then not be able to start it again and oh my just gosh. walk home. And then come back the next day. And sometimes it would start like it just we couldn't keep up with what was wrong with this car. And finally, it was just time for it to go. That's we so probably stressful, though. That is <laughs> it is. It is. I was pregnant. Like, I don't know. I had a job like I was working a nine to five type job in the city of Nashville. And we lived outside the city. Um, so that was really stressful. It was so stressful. Um, but I also just got used to it. It's still so funny how you you just accept it. Like that's how cars are. And now I'm like, no, that's not how cars no, are. It doesn't have to be it this doesn't way, have Megan. To be that way. I know. Um, the other thing, when we had the caravan, which I did love, it had a, a couple known issues. And one of them was that caravans of that year chewed up tires. So mm. I had a lot of flat tires, just like more flat tires than I've ever had with any other vehicle in that car. And they would just randomly happen. There was really no rhyme or reason. They weren't particularly old. We were having them you know, balanced and all that. They just, it just chewed them up. And at one point we had taken the car, I think we were in Chicago and we took it to a shop to have like all the tires replaced. And then as we're driving out of Chicago, so I'm in the caravan and John with all the kids and I'm pregnant with Clara. So all the boys and John are in the Yukon. So we had just gotten the Yukon mm -hmm. and we were still driving the caravan and they're all, they're all ahead of me on the, on the toll road. And the transmission went out on the toll road, like where the two roads outside of Chicago on uh -huh. the Indiana side, it's like where they converge. So it was, I like drifted to the middle. There's like a little island of grass, but it was snow because it was February and I was 36 weeks pregnant, I think. Oh my gosh. Um, stopped there. And then my phone wouldn't place the call because at the time there was really this weird spot right in between the Indiana suburb suburb area and the city of Chicago where constantly I would lose signal and could mm -hmm. not get it back until I got like about 30 minutes down the road. And it was really annoying, but now I'm like stranded You're in, in the, yeah. literally in the middle of the freeway, not even on the side of the freeway, pregnant in my car, which won't work. John and the kids are gone. So I had to get out and walk. I finally was and like police went by. I didn't stop. So I'm just sitting there on the side of the road. Like, okay, I'm gonna have to walk. So I went to the side. I'm walking like in the shoulder in the snow. And it's probably like the toll booth was like maybe, I don't know, half a mile up, something like that. So I'm kind of schlepping down the highway, crying. I wanted to break my phone and like throw it into the weeds. Um, and this van pulls over with carpet, like all over the inside of the van. These two older guys and a teenage kid. And they're like, do you want to ride? And I thought, so I had to wait for a second. Like, <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> I'm going to be smashed on the side of the highway versus the chances they're going to abduct me. And so I'm quickly doing the mental math. And I'm like, well, there's a toll booth. It would be really hard for them to abduct me through a toll booth. Oh so gosh. I took the ride and then I got out at the toll booth and I went in and made a phone call and John had to circle back. By this point, he's like 25 miles down the road. Right. He had to come back, go through the tolls again, pick me up. Then we had to go again around. Yeah. To like get the car taken care of. It was just ridiculous. Ridiculous. With four but little boys was, in the car. With four little boys in the car. Yeah. Um, and it's just funny looking back at that now because that was that was like the only time that car epically failed, but it was so epic. That is, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that story, or at least I, I kind of forget about it sometimes. 
Yeah. That's but, amazing. You know, I've had a pretty good run since. And like, honestly, I don't know if it's because it's like, it's not like I take that much better care of my cars. Maybe they just have better cars to begin with. Maybe having a little more disposable income uh, means I just take care of stuff a little more proactively. Or maybe it's like that again, like you tend to run into problems when you least like Murphy's law, like when you really don't need it, you really yeah. don't need to break down the highway when you're eight months pregnant, you, yeah. you know, that's when it's, happen. you know, winter and yeah. snowing and all that. And so maybe there, it's just been a weird convergence of like, they're never being dire enough stakes <laughs> right. for like little problems to really bother me. So it's been okay. It's been okay. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I'll quickly lead on this one. My next question is how good are you at car maintenance? And I would say historically I was pretty terrible. I've gotten better. I've, I've gotten better about remembering things like you know, changing my oil and putting air in my tires and checking the tire pressure and all that. It's still not the first thing I think of, um, or the, even the fifth thing I think of. I'm just kind of like a driving as an afterthought. I just want my car to get me around. Yeah. And I don't want to have to think about it. So I'm always just like a little bit behind the car. Isn't gross inside anymore. Um, that you, that was definitely a thing for me when my kids were really little, like my car was always disgusting. And now that they're older, and I guess because I did have the experience of having a newer, like a new leased car, I got really good at keeping it clean during that time. Right. And so I've kept up with that a little bit better. But just like, I don't know. I just don't pay attention to stuff like that. Like when I had the lease, I was over the mileage and ran into things and like scraped it and, and all that stuff. And I, I still didn't keep up with the oil changes right on time. It's yeah. just something maybe I'll never be great at. How about you? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not inherently great either. And I feel a lot like you that I just, it feels like something that should take care of itself. And right. I, I've always lacked a lot of confidence with car maintenance and being like a, an adult about cars. And I'm very adulty in most areas of my life. Cause it like serves my, uh, satisfaction in like getting things done and checking things off. But I, I am kind of a wimp when it comes to like taking care of things about the car off and like try to ask Brian or put it off. Right. I will say that when I've had cars that have some kind of a maintenance plan, like they're on a warranty for a year. And then even after they're not on a warranty, like when you go to a Toyota dealership, like they've got your name in the system, they'll tell you when it's time to come back and they'll send you an yeah. email or they'll put a sticker on. And I'm actually pretty good about that. Um, when I haven't been on those plans, I was terrible about getting my oil changed. Like you said, I would just forget it was a thing. It seemed like the cadence of how often didn't match with anything else. I was right. doing so I would it would go too long and then I'd feel guilty about it. And then I'd always worry they were going to make me feel dumb when I went in there or or, or try and upsell me something yes. I didn't want. I have this memory of the little like Jiffy Lube place across the street from my house in in Arizona and taking the little kids in there. And just I don't know, I just I lack a lot of care and confidence when it comes to car maintenance. And my car's still pretty messy inside. Maybe not disgusting. It's not like you know, smushed goldfish crackers disgusting anymore. It used to be, but I'm, I'm not good about keeping the inside of my car clean either. And like, um, I park outside now all the time. I used to park in the garage at least half the time. Brian and I would kind of switch on and off since he has an electric car. He has to park it in there to charge at least some of the time. But, um, I park outside almost all the time now. And that just adds to the the dusty, yeah. dirty, even the inside gets kind of gross. So no, I am not great. <laughs> I will have like little phases I'll go through where I'm remembering to wipe the dashboard down with those little wipes and things like that. And then I'll go like a long time and just, cause if I don't have it in my hand, when I get in the car, yeah. I'm not going to like go in the house and get it or go to the store and buy it, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah, it, it's yeah. one of those things where 
it's like, I'd like to be better at it, but how much do I really care? You know? Right. Yeah. You know what I am good at is replacing wiper fluid because that Chicago, the, all that Chicago driving and all the snow and ice yeah. and the, and the dust from the expressway. I went through wiper fluid in that car, like, like crazy, like no car I've ever been in because I was constantly, you know, using it. And so I got really good at just remembering to pick it up at the gas station when I was filling up with gas and, you know, I learned how to replace it really easily. So that is the one exception is I don't like being low on windshield wiper fluid because it, I don't like that feeling of not being able to clean off my windshield. So I'm pretty good about that too. But again, that actually affects the performance of like the experience of being in the car. And that's why I'll do it. Whereas it would right. have to be pretty low on oil or the oil would have to be pretty old and gross yeah, you're for me so to right. actually notice the difference. So that's why I don't think about that. It's like, it's, yeah. it's in the engine. So I'm not, I'm not like, not again, also it's not my problem. <laughs> or like last year, you know, in my old vehicle, my air conditioning stopped working and I had to go to AutoZone and ask them like what to do. And they showed me how to buy the Freon stuff and how to put it on the car. Well, I did that right away because I'm not going to drive around without air conditioning. Right, right. Like that's that's miserable. But if it's just happening under the hood and I can't see it, it's out of sight, out of mind. Agreed. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So let's do some dreaming about new cars. But first, I want to ask you this question. You go first on this one. Do you consider yourself a car person? No. 
I like we just were talking about before the break. It just feels like, um, again, I have a lot of privilege in that I've had cars that work and get me to where I need to go, but I don't place a lot of um, attachment to like the symbol of a car. I know a lot of moms, like when they cross over to minivan territory for a lot of people who are car people, they're like, Oh, I've got to have the minivan or I'll never drive a minivan. I was like, all right, I guess I drive a minivan now. I just don't, I feel very detached from, um, like what, what kind of car I drive says about me if it gets me where I need to go. So I don't consider myself a car person. I am surrounded by a few car people. Um, and I've, I've, you know, I've been sort of adjacent to people's excitement about a a new car, a different type of car. And Ryan's gotten really into electric vehicles the last several years, even before Tesla was a thing. Um, it's just a, a passion and an interest of his. So I can appreciate that. When I was in high school, I really wanted a Toyota 4Runner. That's the only car I really thought looked really cool that I would love to drive. And I've never had a 4Runner. And they look kind of different now than they did in the 90s. And I kind of like the 90s one better. So maybe maybe someday like I'll get a 90s Toyota 4Runner and drive it around when I'm when it's just me. I don't know. No, I'm not really a car person. How about you? Not really. Okay. So I always want, like, I want to be that person. There's some, on some level, there is a cool factor about being someone who, who understands cars and is like really into a certain make or, you know what I mean? Or even a model. And, um, I look at, you know, old fashioned Jaguars and think they look amazing or the car I really wanted in high school, I believe was the Mazda Miata was a little mm-hmm. yes. sporty little, um, they were cute. convertible. They're very cute. And I could totally see myself like at some point of my life owning an antique car or owning a little convertible and loving it, but it's not because I'm a car person. It would be yeah. because it was sexy and and cool looking and I had the money to put into it and not to worry about it. And I think that's pretty normal. You know, I don't think all of us like really understand a lot about horsepower and, you know, like the engine and all right. that stuff. Um, but we still want a cute little zippy car. And, and it's just like a fun little fantasy thing. Right. So yeah, like at this point in my life, the amount of effort that would go into the choosing and the learning about it and the buying and the maintaining, eh, but like at some point, sure. Why not? Question mark. Yeah. yeah you know? Um, okay. So that leads me to the next question. I'll answer this one first. What features do you like in a car and what do you not care about? And I really never gave this much thought until I leased my Jeep because you know, the way they um, package all those features kind of forces you to choose features you don't care about to get the ones you do. Oh, right. You know, like, because it's like, Oh, the comfort package and the safety package, it's like cable packages. Like exactly. I just want HBO, but they're going to make right. me get like 400 other channels. Right. Exactly. And so what I learned is that I paid a lot of money to have lots of things. And I only really cared about like three things. And okay. one was temperature regulation. Um, I will say my Jeep was never great at this, even though it was brand new. I always felt like the air conditioning, it like ran too hot and cold. Like it could never chill out. It was Hmm. always like burning me or freezing me out. And it was, it just, I had a really hard time regulating it. So that is very important to me. Like I really don't like to be driving around super hot or super cold. Um, I am happy to roll a window down, but not all cars are really very aerodynamic. And my current car is so loud with the windows down that it's a bummer. Like I don't yeah. want my windows down, which I hate. Cause I really love having the windows down. Uh, but don't, but I, but I can't stand the noise. Right. Um, I do like an automatic starter. That's pretty mm-hmm. important. But then there's this other list of things that in theory I like, 
you know, they're good, but then I don't miss them when they're gone. And I really quickly adapt if they're just not there or if they break. So, you know, the car I've been driving since October before last has not had functioning cruise control. I want to say within a week or two when I bought it, it stopped working and I barely noticed. Like it's a little bit annoying if I'm on a long uh, drive, but I don't really care that much. Um, I had a sunroof in the Jeep and I missed it a little bit, but then I almost always have kayaks on top of my car Mm -hmm. or at least kayak racks during sunroof season. And then again, you get that loud sound and you don't really Mm -hmm. get to enjoy the sunroof. So I kind of got over that too. So there were all these things I thought I would care a lot about and really want. And in the end, they're like nice to haves, but I don't care that much. How about you? So that's so funny because as you were talking, I don't think I've ever used cruise control. I've had it on cars, but I, I You've don't never like, I don't think I like to, I don't want to release control. I don't, yeah, well, I don't. It, it really does help you not speed. Like that's the reason I really like it the best. You know how like on a long trip and maybe you just don't do that many like super long road trips where you zone out, but yeah, I tend to I zone don't. out and then I have a lead foot and I yeah. speed real bad. So Cruise control just helps me not speed and also helps me not like almost tense up while I'm driving uh-huh. with yeah, your leg always on the, yeah. Yeah. With your, my hip flexor and my ankle and stuff you're like yep. kind of in that constant engaged leg position. I think our long trips is mostly Brian driving. So I guess right. again, I haven't needed it, but I've also never had a car with a sunroof. I don't think ever. Um, so that's so funny that those were your two that you don't miss. Cause I don't think I wouldn't miss them. I've never had them. I have to say something really quick about the sunroof. Yeah. I misspoke because in my Jeep, it was a moonroof. And that's when I learned the difference between a sunroof and a moonroof. What is it? And I've heard, I've heard the two. Well, okay. I believe, and, and this is my knowledge is now several years old. Cause I don't care enough to look it up, but, um, I'm pretty sure. So it was a panoramic moonroof where it would like the whole thing basically opened up and unfolded. I think that's what, like when you can look up and it's just all glass on top, I believe that's a moonroof. Whereas the sunroof was like, remember the little oval ones? that were mm-hmm. big like in the eighties and nineties, like they truly were, you would almost like slide back yeah. and it would just yeah. be like a little bit. I think that's the difference. I do not understand why, like, I don't okay. know why there would be that distinction, but sorry to interrupt you. I just no, wanted that's to okay. point out for the real car people listening and going, no, it's, a it's not a sunroof. It's a moonroof. We've saved never you all really, an email. You don't have to. <laughs> I've never really understood why the difference, but anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, well, I was going to say automatic starter for sure. And I think, I think we've talked about this at some point, but mine was for the Arizona summers and it was an aftermarket one and I still have it. It transferred from my old minivan to my new minivan. They just, they somehow like it's an aftermarket installation thing and it's a key fob. Um, but hopefully my next car will just have it because that is super useful where I live now is so much more temperate, but you never know why that might be helpful. It just feels like we have that technology. Why not? make that standard. Yeah. Um, Bluetooth connectivity is important to me and it's been around for a while, but my current car is just very janky when it comes to like connecting to my phone, playing whatever I'm playing on my phone, Spotify or podcasts. What happens is the Bluetooth connects because I can see on the display, it'll say I'm listening to the mom hour with Megan Francis and Sarah Powers, but the sound is still coming out of my phone until I hit pause on the car display, pause the music or whatever I'm listening to hit play. And then for another, you can count it. It's a good another seven or eight seconds. It still won't connect. And then it will. And like, it's so second nature to the kids and I now, but it would be nice to have a car where if I want the Bluetooth to be operational, it doesn't require like a minute and a half of extra button pushing before you can be Bluetoothing from your phone. 
Um, I don't think I care about the speakers or the the quality of the sound system. I just want I want Bluetooth and sound system ease of use and functionality. First of all, I think it's safer. I don't like the feeling of having to push a bunch of buttons to switch a podcast or I know voice activation is becoming more of a thing in cars. So if that if that worked and that was functional to be able to like say like we do to our smart speakers at home, but say that to your car and say, hey, like pause the music or hey, like turn down the music. I think that would be cool. I think we're kind of moving there. Um, the van doors. So the automatic sliding minivan doors are great. I can open them from, you know, I can push buttons from where I sit in the driver's seat. I can do it from my car, from my key fob. Um, and then of course you can do it at the, at the door level. I don't have an automatic trunk. Like I can't do that to the trunk. The trunk is manual. And every once in a while I see someone like push their trunk button as they're like headed out with their groceries and it pops up and I think, Oh, that's cool. But I don't think, Mm. I don't think I care that much. The, the sliding doors are really useful for the kids. You know, when you're picking them up and dropping them off at school. And if those of you listening, like aren't quite in the carpool lane stage of life yet, but you will be, and it lasts a really long time. So if you can push a button and have that door safely open and your little kid can climb in and like a teacher or a helper doesn't have to mess with the door, like it just, that is really nice. So I would continue. I would, I would be two thumbs up on the automated van doors. And I think they've only like, they've only had problems with them once or twice. Like they're pretty reliable. Um, and then one thing I really like right now is that, um, whatever car I have in the future, if I can personally adjust the seat arrangement myself without needing like a big old strong man to come help me, I think that makes me feel much more in charge of my situation. So my car can be, it's a seven seater. Normally it has a little jump seat that plugs in and can be an eighth seat with a seatbelt. It's, it makes it tight across the middle row, but it can do it. Um, and then also everything can fold down and we've bought a lot of secondhand furniture this year. We've gone, you know, we'll like load something in the back. So I like the fact that I by myself can manipulate all the seats into their different arrangements. And I would want that in a future car just because I like the versatility. I love the versatility of the minivan. And I'd even if I don't get an eight seater next time, whatever I get, I want to, I want the seats to be that easy to manipulate. If that makes sense. It does. Okay. So I have a couple thoughts. One about the seat thing. Um, I think that cars have gotten pretty good about that because I'm looking, I'm thinking back and thinking, are there any vehicles I've had where I couldn't on my own? And of course me being a single woman, that's really important to me to be able to like fold seats down. And, and I think for the most part I have, I will say when we had the Yukon, they kind of assumed that if you had a big load, you would take the third row seat out. Mm. And I remember feeling like that's very extreme. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How, how many times in my life do I want to remove? It's nice that you can do it, but like, I'm never going to do that. I think we no. did it like once when we moved and had to put literally pieces of furniture back there, but like otherwise, nah, I'm not doing that. So, um, in the Subaru, that's one really nice thing. I can fold the seats down and I could sleep back there. It's like a flat, nice, wide open area, um, that I could use for transporting a lot of stuff before I'd have to worry about seat removal, but it has seemed pretty, pretty good, I guess. Yeah. Good. Um, I have a Bluetooth, like a third part uh, aftermarket, I guess not third party uh, aftermarket Bluetooth connection thing that just goes into the cigarette lighter. And I just think it's funny that carrots still have cigarette lighters, but yeah. um, they do come in handy for those kinds of things. Cause there's still a lot of little adapters for them. And Amy Clark, our friend um, mm-hmm. from momadvice.com, suggested it to me. It was like $35 and I've had great luck with it. it. The only time it didn't work was when I was driving through the Hills of Ohio. And I think that's, it's, based on a radio, it has to pick up a radio station. Oh, I remember and then you saying it, that. Yeah. yeah. It has to pick up like a radio station. That's not 
actually in, you know, tune or whatever. So it's just static. And then it plays through that. And so we couldn't, because we were up and down in the hills, it was just constant. Like we couldn't maintain the connection very long. And that was annoying, but that's literally in 18 months, the only problems I've had with it or however long I've had it. Um, I did recently learn that I don't have armrests in my car, which I didn't even oh. really recognize that I don't have armrests. Um, Eric pointed it out and I was like, you're right. I don't have armrests in this car. How very strange, but it, I never realized I wanted them until now that yeah. I know they don't have them. <laughs> that's uh, really it's funny. kind of weird. Right. And then I think something that's like underrated in design are, um, well, we talked a little bit about blind spots. I hate excessive blind spots. Like mm-hmm. it really annoys me, especially because of my spatial issues, which you yes. share, but cup holders. Oh Yes. Like a well-placed cup holder that's the right size is so important. And I just feel like that's one of those like design things that doesn't always get the attention it should. Yes. And I think for a long time, like more, more was more. And and a lot of cars have a lot of cup holders now, but I agree with you. There's placement and size can make a big difference too. And I am very happy with the cup holder situation in the Toyota Sienna. There's some that like pop out that you don't have to use unless you need them. There's some in the driver's and passenger side door so that if you, you could have a water bottle down in the pocket that way down, you know, at the bottom of your door just for if you needed it. It's not really a cup holder, but it's shaped like a like a water bottle. So there's just a lot of options. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question. And I'm actually going to like l- um, lump these two questions, the next two questions sure. into one. And the two questions are, do you enjoy the process of shopping for a new car? And question B is, what about haggling? I think you should go first on this one, actually. Both of those. Okay. Uh, I am very meh about shopping for a new car. Theoretically, I guess it's exciting to drive up to a dealership and see all the shiny new cars, but I find it overwhelming. I don't really know what I'm looking for. I don't like dealing with salespeople. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like I don't like salespeople. I think salespeople are great. I just don't like the pressure of them knowing more than me and me feeling like I have to perform for them. It's very uncomfortable. And I think haggling is so embarrassing for everybody involved. (laughs) I want to die. Like, and the funny thing is in my life, I'm a great negotiator. Like I will negotiate contracts. I will negotiate pay, no embarrassment, nothing like no hesitation. But when it comes to a vehicle, there's something about it that makes me just want to die. And when I bought my car, I did bring my brother. So the funny thing is the guy let me take the car myself on the test drive. So I just drove away and went and picked my brother up because he lived, you know, like five blocks away. And then we showed back up at the dealership and I had an extra person with me. I'm sure the guy was like, what? And he just like, my brother just got out of the car and knocked like $500 off a very cheap. It was like a $6,000 car. My brother's just like, eh, what if we just give you a 5,500? And the guy's like, okay. So I see how it can work. I see that's how the game is played. But because I don't know about cars, I find it really embarrassing. And some people love it. My brother being one loves it for sport. So I have to share a quick story. My brother and Jenna uh, just replaced her vehicle um, not too long ago. And they were at the dealership for 12 hours. What? 12 hours. And at one point, Jenna texted and said, I'm having margaritas. I can't handle it anymore. So she left. <laughs> she left because she just couldn't stand it. She was like, my face was red. I was embarrassed. 
But my brother stuck it out, and I think he knocked like $25,000 off the price. It was oh. like a 20, like a brand new 2020, my but it was like gosh. sitting on the lot kind of buried. And he yeah. was just like, you don't want this car anymore. This car's taking up room on your lot. This car is an embarrassment. You don't want it. And Jenna said it was just terrible. But my brother was having the time of his life. Oh, and so, my oh, gosh. Yeah. So she got to go have margaritas. And then at the end, she got a nice new car. Um, but like just thinking about that makes me want to crawl under a desk and yeah. die. So, so how about you? Do you like buying new cars and do you like haggling? Okay. I'll just speak to the haggling. I feel exactly the same way. There is something so profoundly uncomfortable to me about the face to face, um, like poker face, like gamesmanship yeah. it, that is profoundly uncomfortable. And I've learned a lot from you about negotiating in business. And a lot of what we do is more long form conversations. And a lot of it's by email or like, it's just different. There's something about that that feels so cringy. Um, I haven't really had to do a lot of it, but I've, I've been there for part of it. Um, I, I would say Brian and I have kind of done it together a few times. I actually have not been in a dealer to buy a car in nine years, because when we did that, the second Toyota Sienna trade-in, it was like, it happened really fast and mostly over the phone. So, um, and it was through the same dealership. So I haven't been into a dealership to buy a car in nine years, I realized, which is a long time. But I will yeah. say we're a 50% Tesla family now. Brian drives a Tesla yeah. and the Tesla ordering process is totally different. It's like ordering anything else that you would order online. Like you go online, you pick your specs and your colors. And I, I don't know, I, I could have some of the details wrong, but it is nothing like the traditional car buying experience. And maybe that's where, I mean, Tesla's a pretty forward thinking company. Yeah. Maybe that's not just the, going. maybe that is where <laughs> it's going. And I, I, I don't know a lot about like the used car, like websites, you know, like the CarMax and like the, um, where yeah. you can find, I, I have friends who've bought cars that way, but maybe there's a way to avoid that super awkward haggling, but no, I don't enjoy that either. A lot of dealerships now pride themselves on not doing it that way anymore. Like basically like, you know, awkwardness free, um, right. Like it's just more clear. There's no gaming involved. Yeah. And I think you're right that it's the immediacy. Like I could throw out a price and they could laugh or they could right. be mad. Like it's just something about it because it's all happening in real time, right in person. And there's a game I don't understand yeah. underneath it all. It makes it really uncomfortable. It reminds me a few years ago, I listened to an all things, not all things considered. Uh, what's the Iron Glass show? Um, uh, this American uh, Life. This American Life. Yeah. There was a This American Life episode about buying used cars. I'm going to dig it up and, and we should put it in the show notes because it really, it, sh it showcases all the behind the scenes reasons why dealerships might make deals on certain days of the month and not others. Oh, wow. It has a lot to do with the, um, with the car manufacturers and they're, they're like, um, what's the word I'm looking for where they get like, where they give you like a, they would give them a special deal. Like, you know, the, you know what I mean? Like a rebate? There's like a, like a like a rebate and other kinds of in incentives. Yes, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of incentives and the dealership as a whole and each individual salesman, salesperson, they're all sort of like linked up in these incentives and they have mm -hmm. to make them all match up. And it's very complicated, but it was yeah. fascinating. So it did make me feel like if I had to go and do it again, I'd be a little more armed with information and it was also right. just really entertaining. But oh, it's just giving me like the heebie-jeebies. I know. Yeah, the pricklies, as my sister calls it when you feel uncomfortable. Um, I'm getting the pricklies just thinking about it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I have one more question. And this was just kind of a silly one. 
um, kind of a fun little silly one. And that is, I'll let you go first in this one, Sarah. Do you have, do you see a time of your life where you would drive some kind of like alternate vehicle? Like maybe you wouldn't drive a car at all, but you'd have a bicycle or you'd drive an old bus or like hashtag van life or a motorcycle, anything like that. You know, I had never thought about it. So your question made me think, and I'm not going to say no, but I can't think of anything right now that is like, oh, that would be amazing. Um, but this is not exactly what you're asking, but I do think that we're on our way to being more of an electric vehicle family. Like alternative energy stuff has just long been an interest of Brian's and we've done a solar roof and we're doing another solar roof and Brian drives an electric car. And I feel like probably my next car will be in that, that electric vein yeah. of car. Mm -hmm. I don't, that's not really what you're asking, but I, it is well, a shift. Kind of is. Away it's from, alternative, right. Yeah. From what yeah. we're used to and what mm -hmm. you assume is the way things are. So yeah. I think that totally counts. Um, so, so, you know, I mentioned in our like a recent episode that I totally could see myself traveling across the country, like in yeah. a bus or a van or something. I did watch Nomadland and I can't remember if it was like on Instagram. Someone. Yeah. I think said, someone said you need to watch it. And I, I even thought, oh, she needs to watch that when we were talking, but I think we were like running really we low on really time. Long. So I, just I know. didn't say anything. So I did. I took that a piece of advice and watched it right away. I thought it was fascinating. It was very like, um, well, Francis McDormand is amazing and, yes. and it's, it was just really good and interesting. Just not what I was expecting exactly, but it was yeah, really, really it good. It feels and like showed... watching a documentary almost, but it's, yes. it's not, but it has but that feeling. Not. Yeah. And some beautiful scenery, but also some really chilling parts about like, just, I don't know, the state of like being a worker, like, yeah. especially like the way she was working and stuff like that. Anyway, yeah. just check it out. Um, I would totally ride on a motorcycle. I actually really like being on the back of a motorcycle have no desire to ever drive a motorcycle. I don't, mm -hmm. maybe that'll change in my life. And then bicycles, I have long thought I would love to be somebody who could truly get around on a bike for most of my, like for most of my needs. And mm -hmm. I think it's just a mix of me having to be in the right place in life, have the right bike, the right mm -hmm. setup, be fit enough. And I don't mean fit, like just fit enough at riding bicycles, which is a different kind of fitness than yeah. walking or running or anything else like that. Like, I feel like if I could set my life up just right for it, I would totally do it because I really like walking. I really like getting around on feet and I don't particularly love driving. So yeah. I think it could totally work if all the pieces fell into place. So I'll just are leave there that a lot there. of electric bicycles, like the bicycles that are yeah, motorized that aren't, about. they're not motorcycles. I feel like uh, I, either I've been asleep at the wheel, haha, or they are yeah. really becoming a big thing out here. They I are. just see they so much more of them. Suddenly a big thing. They're suddenly a very big thing. They're not cheap though, and so it's like you you really have to be buying into that as like a like a lifestyle basically, okay. and living in a place where there's snow on the ground, and also right. the town that we're in, it is in some ways it seems like it would be super bike accessible, but we don't have great bike lanes on the roads where it matters. Like mm -hmm. we've got bike lanes on the streets that are scenic, but they, we don't have great bike access to the places you need to go yeah. on a bike. Um, so that makes it tricky because like, well, if I wanted to go grocery shopping, for example, yeah, I can get a basket or like one of those little things on the back or whatever, but then how do I get to the grocery store? <laughs> like, right. that's a, that's a question. I think that will, that will. And so that, that wouldn't be solved by an electric bike because it would just be another way to be unsafe yeah. on my bike, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it would help with things like fatigue if I was yeah. wanting to just go for a nice long ride and I wanted to only pedal some of the time. So it's definitely something I've, it's on my list of things to think about. And I feel like they've been around forever, but you're right. Like suddenly they're 
Yeah, I just noticed them more now. And I don't think I even really understood what they were before. But I met someone recently who she's told me she bikes to work and I knew where she worked. And I was like, that's really far that I realized like what she meant. It's just kind of a it's like a different subset of vehicle. That's not quite a bicycle. It's not quite a motorcycle. And yeah, yeah, it's not like a dirt bike. It's not like a scooter. Um, It's you can pedal. But I believe then you can also just have the electric take over, which is smart because you know, sometimes you just need to rest. And like, if yeah. that's the diff, if that's the thing that gets in the way of like knowing you have to pedal up a really long hill to get to work, say is the thing that gets in the way of you riding your bike to work and all those benefits, like mm-hmm. how great to have that eliminated. I think it's really smart. And I have thought about looking into it um, more closely. I would just really need a plan. I would need to like restructure my life in a way that makes sense, which is not to say I wouldn't do it. I just haven't right. done it yet. So, right. Yeah. Fun. Well, this has been really fun. Um, we, it has been, and I, I'm glad we finally covered this topic in, you know, six years of us talking about everything. We spend a lot of time in our cars. We vox each other from our cars a lot. So yes, we do, but not through my Bluetooth because I do not no. like the way my Bluetooth sounds over Voxer. And I try to um, remember to turn mine off, but sometimes I forget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, uh, mother's day is a week from today. And if that sentence makes you feel it gives you the pricklies, if you are feeling yes. kind of conflicted <laughs> about mother's day this year or you just have thoughts and feelings. That's what we're going to be discussing on Tuesday. So come back with us on Tuesday. We're going to be talking all about kind of the complicated parts of Mother's Day um, and just validating that and maybe maybe offering some ideas for how you can make Mother's Day any year the way you want it to be. Um, so we that will be fun and we will talk to everybody on Tuesday. Looking forward to it. Talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.